just like we shared last week, right? Everybody's story is different. But the main theme, which has been the theme of this month, Emmanuel, God is with us. God is always with us, and no matter what our situation may look like. And it's going to look different for everybody. It's not always going to be as easy as we wish it was or go the ways that we envisioned it would. But through it all, God is still with us, no matter what anybody else tries to tell us. And that's why I've been wanting us to do these testimonies because, man, we all need encouragement. Sometimes we look at our situation and we're just like, God, I don't, if you're there, it doesn't feel like it. If I'm gonna make it through this way, you're gonna have to do something extraordinary because it's, there's no other way. But God is faithful. And sometimes we need encouragement of hearing how he's working in somebody else's life to know that he could do that in yours too. And we've seen that, right? Last week was different stories. This week is different stories. But God is with us. And today we get to continue that series, Emmanuel. And if you notice in the first song that we sung this morning, it said Emmanuel. All right, it's the Mexican version, no. But you probably have seen it. Okay, is it Emmanuel, Emmanuel? Which one is it? What is the difference? Is one right, one wrong? What does all that even mean? Well, I'm gonna break it down to you today, okay? Because I want you to have an understanding, but also just to see how awesome God is. The first thing I want you to know is that both versions are actually found in the Bible. It's not something that somebody just pulled out of thin air. It's actually found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's first mentioned in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah. Miss MJ, will you put this verse on the screen for me, please? It's gonna be Isaiah 7, and this is the King James Version, okay? But it says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, and behold, a virgin should conceive and bear a son, and should call his name Emmanuel. And then we see it again, in Matthew chapter 1, go to this verse right here. Verse 23, this is still the King James Version. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall be bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God is with us. See, one thing that you have to understand is when the Bible was originally written, guess what language it was written? It wasn't in English, okay? The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And so there has to be a translation to reach English, a language that we understand, right? And the process that you change it, the language is called transliteration, okay? I'm taking y'all to school this morning, all right? Transliteration. See, Eman I mean, Emmanuel with the I is a transliteration of the original Hebrew word composed of Emmanuel, which is with us, and El, which is God. So it means God is with us, right? And then we see in the Greek, in the New Testament, that it was originally written, it said Emmanuel, which is a Greek translation of the word Emmanuel. I can't even say it. I get them all mixed up trying to pronounce them. I know my school teachers are going to be mad at me, all right? I'm sorry. I'm working on it. I'm trying. It's so hard, man. It's so hard. So the difference between a transliteration and a translation is one deals with the pronunciation of it, while the other one deals with the meaning, but both of them point to the same thing, God is with us. So no matter which one you use, which one you say, it all points back to Jesus, just like everything else, right? 
It always points back to Jesus. It always has the same meaning. Just like we shared with all these testimonies, it all points back to God's son, Jesus, that he's with us no matter where we find ourselves at today, no matter where we will find ourselves in the future or in the past, he's always been with us. And today we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 1. We're going to learn about Jesus's relatives, okay? He's got some, I don't know if they're cousins, I don't know how they're exactly related. There's a lot of different theories, but we're not going to get into that today. We just know these are Jesus's people, okay? How many of us got them family members? You don't even know how they related to you. Be like, yeah, we related. That's my people. These are some of Jesus' people, okay? Zechariah and Elizabeth, and these are actually the parents of John the Baptist. And so we're going to read a, a story from there that I think is relevant to many of us today. But before we go further, I want to pray. I want to invite God in this. So, Father, we just come before you just thanking you, uh, man, that as unique as we are, as our situations are, Man, you are always the constant denominator that you are with us. And so, Lord, just help that be written on our hearts. Help that be reminded whenever it's difficult, difficult when it's hard, whenever we're struggling, uh, when things don't go the way that we want or how we expect. Um, it never changes that you are present, that you are working, you are moving, and that you always are willing to step in to anywhere that we lack. And so, Lord, would you just step in this morning? Would you step into our hearts? into our minds, into our souls, and our spirits, Lord, so that way we could just see how you are with us currently and help us through what we're going through. So, Father, we just love you and we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5, and let's go. It said, when Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of the Habajah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So before we even jump into their stories, I want you to understand who this king is, King Herod. See, they used to call him the king of the Jews before Jesus. And the thing was, he was like a quarter Jew. He wasn't all the way Jew. Um, but the Roman emperor at the time put him in charge because he was like, you know what? You part Jewish anyway. You go ahead and deal with these people. You deal with this section. This is your plot. And so he did. And a lot of times, anything that had to do with the Jews, he really didn't care unless it benefited him. If it was political and it benefited him, he said, you know what? I got y'all's back. I'm here with y'all. Let's make it happen. So he was a selfish person, right? Always looking out for himself. He really didn't care about anybody else because he understood, man, if I go against Rome, they're going to kill me. And if not, I'm going to kill y'all if y'all mess this up for me, all right? So this is a bad dude. And even down the line, as he becomes king, eventually after Jesus is born, he finds out about a new king of the Jews being born, and he feels threatened. He says, you know what? We're going to kill all the firstborn Jewish children. If they reach this certain age range, we want them to take them out. And this is later on that's going to happen, okay? This is after John is born. This is after Jesus is born because King Herod was threatened. But all of these things never escape that God is with us and that he already knows these things. He already sees these things. He already working right now for what's going to happen down the road. And that's what we're going to learn today, but also in the coming weeks. So that's who that king is. 
And then we see Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we read through the word that they come from a priestly line. You see Aaron, which is Elizabeth's bloodline family, he was the brother of Moses, okay? Remember Moses, the burning bush, the tablets, getting the people free from Israel. That Moses' brother is Aaron. And when Jesus, when God told Moses, hey, I want you to go set the people free, Moses said, I can't even talk. You don't even want to use me. Use my brother, Aaron. That boy got away with words. And God said, all right, I'm mad at you, but you can use your brother because I'm going to use both of y'all. And so that's what he did. And so we see that these two individuals, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they come from families that are rich with the history of God in their life. They come from priestly lines. And Zechariah himself was a priest. But even though they come from these lines, even though, what did the words say? They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments, all of his regulations. What did that last line read? They still had no child. They were still unable to conceive. And on top of that, they were both very old. So this has been going on all their life. And so I want you to receive this and take this away this morning because it's something that escapes us when you come into the house, when you start a relationship with Jesus. But I never want you to ever forget this. Difficulties aren't a sign of our disobedience. It isn't always a sign that we've done something wrong, but it is always an opportunity for God's glory and our sanctification, okay? A lot of words this morning, right? Sanctification. So we all know that there are consequences for our actions, but still there are times that you don't have to do anything for things to still go badly, for things to still be hard. You see, back in this time period, though, they didn't believe that. In this time period, when they were born, they were like, hey, if something's wrong in your life, you did something. What did you do? You can't have no child? Oh, I wonder what you did. Everybody talking about you. They said, surely you've done something to bring this upon yourself. They didn't understand that you don't always have to do something for life just to be hard and difficult. That, in fact, you could be living up to a way that God sees you righteous and still life would be challenging. But when we are in this place, whether we've done something or not, I always want us to see it as an opportunity for God to get glory out of it, but also for us to be sanctified, okay? You know what the word sanctified means? It is a process of you being holy, of you turning into Jesus in your body, in your mind, in your flesh. So that's what sanctification is, right? We get saved through Jesus, but the Holy Spirit renews our minds and our thoughts, and it sanctifies us so we can become holy on this earth. So as you are growing in the word, you are growing in prayer, you're growing in your relationship, you're actually being sanctified because guess what? You're no longer a sinner no more. Guess what you are? You're a saint. Anybody feel like a saint? Y'all all saints in this house. You know that? If you're giving your life to Jesus, you are actually a saint. I ain't talking about a New Orleans saint, okay? Talk about a saint from the king of kings. And so that's what we have here. These people was like, oh my gosh, what did y'all do? But the word said they were righteous in God's eyes. There's a huge difference between what people think of you and what God actually knows of you. Because they didn't go off of what people said, right? The word said that God saw them as righteous, not other people said they were righteous. And that's a huge difference. Because too many times we are dependent on the opinion of somebody else. When at the end of the day, the most important opinion is his. 
how he views you, how he sees you, how he understands you, because he sees your heart. Other people just see your situation. Other people just see you, but they don't really know you like that. How many of us know people that have become famous in society today, right? They're put on this pedestal and everybody's like, oh my gosh, I want to be just like them. And then some things happen, right? And what happens? Next thing you know, they're getting canceled because they weren't for the person that they were pertained or, or they were projected to be. And I think that happens a lot. That we allow the voices of others to make us miss out on the voice that we need to seek and trust the most. And it's God's. In all the books of the Bible that we read about Jesus' life, he's always talking about these religious leaders that in the eyes of people were what? They were righteous. Oh my gosh, those are the people of God. You need to follow what they're doing. But Jesus was always at conflict with them because they were actually doing the opposite of what God's word says. They were doing the opposite of what God asked of them because even though they were righteous in the people's eyes, they didn't have it right with God because it's not always the same. But we see here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, where they were followers who didn't just talk the talk. They didn't just go through the motions. They were about that life. They lived it, and God saw it, and he declared it from his own sight. But still, life wasn't easy for them. To be childless in these times is really was seen as a curse on your life because you got to think about it. Everything hindered on your family, on your inheritance, on your line. For one, it's to pass down your lineage to have a child. It's to have a child when you get older take care of you. It's, it's to have your child be a part of a family that continues on your legacy. There was so much hinged upon having a child in that society at the time. It, it even included your social status, how people viewed you, how you saw you. So for them to not have a child was a huge thing that many people would have viewed as a curse. They would have viewed as them doing something wrong. They wouldn't have understand it. And even though it was a huge thing for other people, and it was also a huge thing for them, what did they do? They never allowed what they didn't have to keep them from how they're called to live. They didn't allow that to stop them from doing the things that they need to do on the day in and day out basis. Because no one's life is perfect. Nobody is without difficulties. We all have challenges, y'all. It doesn't matter what position you have in the church, what title society gives you. You're still going to be met with some hard times. You're still going to have things you didn't plan for, you didn't expect, and they're going to be challenging. But I want us to learn these are opportunities for God to move. These create space for God to get glory in ways that he wouldn't get it without it. These are moments that we can be changed and worked on that we wouldn't have done without it. Last month we had a series, right? It was called Better Than Good. Because a lot of times we think, man, if I could just get to things being good, then I'll be all right. But God wants us to do things that are better. And part of that series and part of the understanding is because I want us to always be pushing to be better people but understand the God that we serve we don't serve a God that's just good God is good all the time amen y'all know that saying nah man the God I serve is better than good and you got to understand that he's better than that then he's better than the average that he's better than just the baseline he's better than good 
So in these seasons and these moments, they're not just worthless experiences that we're having to deal with in life. They actually serve a purpose for his glory and our sanctification. They're an opportunity. They give him space to move in ways that we couldn't do it without them. So even though they were old, even though they didn't have no children, they were still being obedient. I'm sure everybody talked about them. They were like, yeah, they some priests, but you know they ain't got no children. I don't know what they hiding. Still, they said, I'm going to trust the Lord with this situation. I'm going to be faithful to him because he's always been faithful to me, even when I don't have what I think I deserve, even when I don't have the thing that I've been asking for. I know that my God is still better than good. So it's an invitation to experience the fullness of God in our life when we're in these moments, when we're in these seasons. So I pray that would encourage you if you're in it right now. And I want us to continue to read. I want us to see what happens next. Let's go to verse 8 through 10. And it says, One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as custom with the priests, he was chosen by a lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. And while the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right of the incense altar. So he's just doing what he's been doing, right? He's a priest, so that means he got to go to work, right? He shows up to work. They're just going through the normal daily routine. They would cast lots to see who's going to get chosen, go into the sanctuary, and he happens to get chosen. And Normally, when these things happen, we think, oh, that's a random act. That's a coincidence. But nah, nah, it ain't. Because there was an angel from the Lord that was sent to him. And I want you to take this away today and learn this. That God works through the chosen, not the random. A lot of times we think things are playing out randomly, not knowing that it served the purpose of the Lord. That he actually has chosen us. Like we just talked about, it seemed like another day of work for him. To cast lots is like rolling dice. It's like what they do with the pick straws or what they talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Pick sticks? I don't know. It was, to them, it was a random selection, but to God, he was chosen for a purpose. There ain't nothing random about God. He does everything with purpose. Zechariah was selected. He goes into the sanctuary. And at that time, when you would go in there, you would burn the incense. You'd be praying on behalf of everybody. They would see the smoke come out of the temple, and then people that would gather outside the temple would begin to pray. They viewed the smoke going into the air as their prayers going up into heaven. So once they saw the smoke, they said, oh, man, there's a priest in there. And you know what? Let me send my prayers off right now because I know it's going up to the Lord. I know he's in there praying on my behalf. And then usually after that had happened, the priest would come outside of the temple, and then he would pray a blessing over those that were in attendance. So that's what was happening, and he's just going about his normal day, and God was getting ready to do something extraordinary. He doesn't do things at random. He does things with purpose. And usually we only see things on the surface level, not realizing that God has so much more in store for us, something so much deeper than what we understand. I want you to think about it. Have you ever gone to like a store? You just gone somewhere that was random, right? You weren't really planning on going. You went and you ran into somebody. And then you had a, a moment with them that was just powerful. It was like exactly what you needed at that moment, at that time. And you leave there and you're like, man, that was crazy. 
I ain't seen this person in years. I, I was just thinking about this person. I've run into him. I'm so glad I got that opportunity. Guess what? That wasn't random. Because God doesn't work in the random. He works with purpose. He works through the chosen. And that's the thing. A lot of times God allows us to have these moments, and these are actually called divine appointments. That means it's something by his hand that he was constructing for you to experience, to bless you in a way that goes further than it just being random. I don't know how many people I've run into the streets, right, and I've had an interaction with them. Next thing you know, they've come to Bible study. It's one of the funniest things. We're in Bible study as men, right? And often the guys are like, well, how did you meet Pastor Fervin? You never know what the story is, man. But one thing I know is not random. It might have been at a grocery store. It might have been at McKenzie Park. It might have been down the street. I might have hit you with my car. I don't know. The thing is, it's not random. It's chosen. And God is somebody that isn't contained by the limitations of us and our sight. Because we look at things from the surface and we say, surely it has to work in this box, in these lines. Everything has to fit through here because this is what my mind can understand, could comprehend. But God isn't limited to our limitations. He's better than good. He's sovereign. Which means even in the ordinary, he can do the extraordinary. And that's what is foreshadowing that's going to happen in their life. Because they've been praying for a child, but God was going to bless them with something much more than just a kid. I don't want us to read and check this out, what happens as he talks with the angel. Let's go to verse 12 through 20. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to their Lord, their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elisha. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will return the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. Okay. I stand in the very presence of God and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So we see they've been praying, right? They're old in age. They've been asking for a child. And God came to answer the prayers of a child. But Gabriel said that even though God was going to give him a son, that would have been enough. They would have been thrilled. That would have been like, oh my gosh, this is what we've been praying for. God said, no, no, no. I got something better for you. I want you to take this away this morning, church. God's purpose goes beyond our prayers. We pray for something, right? We're expecting this one little thing to happen, but God has something so much bigger, so much grander in mind. Given their age, just for them to have a child, that would have been a miracle enough, right? Oh my gosh, y'all pregnant? That's crazy. That's definitely got to be God. But what God had in store for them was to do more than bless an elderly couple with a child. 
Because what did Gabriel say? This boy has a special role in God's kingdom plans. He said, I'm going to give him a son that's going to be filled with the spirit of God even before he takes breath in this world. He said, I'm going to give him a son that would lead the people of Israel back to their God. A son that will prepare the way for the Messiah to come. A son that's going to turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. A son that is going to take those that are rebellious against God and bring them in to the house of the Lord. He was doing much more than just giving them a child and answering a prayer. He said, I'm going to give them a son that's going to have the spirit and the power like the prophet Elijah did in his time. And Jesus will later confirm this too. He said, man, John the Baptist, he was Elijah in the modern day. He fulfilled the scripture. Even the word John, the name of John, it means the Lord is gracious. Because how good is the Lord, man? That he's going to not just answer your prayer, he's going to go beyond it for a bigger purpose. It's just like we shared last month, right? We had that series, Better Than Good, because we settle for good too many times, even though God has so much better in store for us. And I pray that we will receive that this morning, that we are loved by a God. Who is that? It's better than good. This is how I want you to think about it, right? You might come to God with an addiction, but God wants to do more than just break that addiction. He wants to rip that generational curse out of your family. You might have come to God just asking for him to bless your finances, but he wants to do more than just pay your bills. He wants you to be blessed so much that you could be a blessing to other people. You might have problems with depression, anxiety, all these things, right, and that we all deal with at different circumstances. You might be like, Lord, if you could just cure this and take this away, but maybe he has something greater that he could use that to bless somebody else and help them in their struggle. See, God always wants to go more than what we ask for in our prayers because his purpose is better than good. It goes beyond that. So we see that with our story. He wanted to give them something that was even better. And when we're met with the revelation that goes beyond what we expect what happens, right? God says, I'm going to do this. And we're like, whoa, 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 God. I just asked for this. I ain't asked for all that. We start to freak out. We start to just start to turn into Zachariah, right? Hold up. You sure this is going to happen? You're not just playing with me, right? And Gabriel said, you don't know who you were talking to? He said, my name is Gabriel, okay? God didn't send some regular angel to you. He sent one of his right hands to come and give you this word because he wants you to understand that what he speaks, he always comes to pass. He's not playing. And Zachariah had doubts. And because of his doubts, what happened? He said, we're going to shut your mouth. You're going to be silent now, okay? You're going to be put on mute since you want to be questioning what the Lord is already confirming in you. And how many of us do that? We question something that the Lord has already confirmed in our life. There's going to be some discipline for that. And it's not because God is upset with you, but he wants you to stop yourself before you break it and not receive what he has for you. Because that's something God will do. Sometimes God got to shut you up to keep you from messing things up. Because what do we do with our mind? We let it run, don't we? Sometimes we are the overthinkers. Something don't go the way we envision. What do we do? We start talking about, I don't know, man. Just, I mean, she didn't say she loved me this morning, so does she really love me? I don't think so. Does it make sense? Why would she not say she loves me? We start to overthink things, right? God knows, man, if we allow our voices, our mouth, what do the words say? 
The word of God says that through the mouth is the gift of life and death through the tongue. He says, sometimes you be killing the very thing that I'm trying to bless you with. So sometimes I got to shut you up. I got to say, hey, 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 be quiet, sit down. Hey, don't go and tell everybody all this because you are messing up the thing I'm trying to do. Sometimes you just got to be quiet. And we need that. So we see that happen with him, right? Because if not, he probably would have went home and been telling you, you ain't going to believe what happened. I don't really believe in myself. You shouldn't believe it. I'm just crazy, right? Why would an angel come and talk to me? I go to work every day. This never happens. God didn't let that happen, though. He said, no, we got to shut this down right now. Because too many of us rob ourselves of our deliverance, of our blessing, of our miracle because of that mouth. We get to running off with it, telling the wrong people. We get to talking to ourselves and talking ourselves out of the very thing that we've been asking and praying for, even when God has confirmed it. So we have to be careful, church, with that. Because it happens. So we see them say, hey, you got to shut that down before you mess it up. I want us to keep reading. Let's go to verse 21. Let's see what happens now. It said, meanwhile, remember those people that were outside waiting, right? It said the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary. They were wondering, why is he taking so long? And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized from his gestures, his silence, that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterward, Elizabeth became pregnant. And she went into seclusion for five months. How kind is the Lord, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace from having no children. So we see God showed up, right? See, sometimes you don't have to explain what God is doing in your circumstance. For other people to get the message. Zechariah came out of there. He couldn't talk. He couldn't give him a blessing. They could have been tripping on him. They said, oh, hold up. God must have spoke to him. This is weird. This is different. This don't make no sense. See, a lot of things that we need to understand is we don't always have to go and tell everybody our business. Even though we did testimonies today, right? It's powerful. It's encouraging. You don't always have to show people with your mouth of how God is working in your life. You know what you do? Show them by your actions. What does your actions look like? How is your life speaking for you in a way that people can see, oh, God is doing something special in their life? Our actions should carry ourselves and speak for ourselves. And we see this, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were two people who didn't have to share their business for people to know about it. People already knew, hey, you ain't got no children, something wrong over there. But they were also known uh, by God of how they were righteous because of their actions, right? Even though they had no children, what did Zechariah do? He still showed up for work. And even when this angel came, what happened? It said he finished out the week in service. We, all of us, what we would, uh, I gotta go. I done met an angel today. I gotta go tell everybody. God says, be quiet. Well, I still need to go home. I should get half the day off for this, right? But he didn't. He said, even though these things have happened, I still need to be obedient and consistent with the ordinary. I still need to do the normal day-to-day -day stuff because I know that is what's required of me. That's my responsibility. And I need to finish out this week before going home. And it goes back to being a person of action and not just words. And the words said that soon after he came home, Elizabeth became pregnant. I'm probably sure she's glad he couldn't talk no more either. 
probably have because you know anything about a pastor, they talk a lot. Pastors be pastoring, okay? A lot of times my beautiful wife, Desiree, will tell me, okay, hold up, I need you to quit talking like a pastor right now. Just talk to me. Because you're trying to give me a whole message right now, okay? You're trying to get some hallelujahs and some amens, and we're not doing that right. I'm just trying to talk to you. Pastors be talking. She shut them up, sent them home, and she got pregnant. I want you to take this away finally this morning. God, prom God promises, he delivers. If God promised you something, it's already on the way. He's going to deliver it. Gabriel told him, man, you're going to have a child. And in becoming mute wasn't enough for Zechariah to believe. Man, Elizabeth got pregnant just as God had promised. And it wasn't just a son that God had gave them. It was somebody like we mentioned earlier. It went beyond what they were seeking. It went bigger than what they asked for. Because there are some things that happens with the promises of God that I want you to always remember is three things, okay? It's going to look different than you picture. It's going to look different than you picture when you get a promise from God, okay? It's always going to go slower than you thought. And it's always going to bless you in ways that are farther than what you knew. But that's what's going to happen with the promise of God. So when God promises you something, don't think that you already know how it's going to play out. You don't. Don't think that you know the timing of it. All right, this, you know what? Spring would be perfect, Lord, if you just make this happen. It's not. All right, God, well, if you just give me the child, that would be good enough. No, what did the Lord have? He has something better. Something better. So even though they were at an old age, right, they've been praying for years for a child. It went slower than what they thought. It didn't come in the way that they envisioned. But what God was blessing them with went further than what they could have asked. Because what God promises, he delivers. So I want you to receive that this morning. That whatever that looks like for you, man, that what God has for you, it's even greater than what you could have been asking for in the first place. You know, after that they had the, the baby, right, John still couldn't talk. It says that they had the kid, they couldn't talk, and they said, hey, what are we going to name this child? This man ain't saying nothing. Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John. They said, okay, we're not going to ask you. That don't make no sense. Because John didn't run in their family. There was no Johns in their family. Usually, like I said, it was important to have a child, but it was important for what? Your legacy to continue on. That's why my son is what? His name is Gadiel, but y'all know his first name, right? Fermin. His name is Fermin. He's the fourth. Quattro on the house. Because there's something about us trying to carry on the legacy of those before us and keep it in our families. So when they said, hey, okay, you crazy, John, that don't make no sense. Let's go back to Zechariah. Even though you ain't talking, give us something. It says that Zechariah got a writing tablet and he wrote on their John. As soon as they read it, they said, John, I guess we're going to name the baby John. Instantly he could speak. The first thing that he did is he began to praising God and worshiping God because he realized all this time what had been going on, right? This is over nine months that he ain't been able to say a word. Man, how humbling is that when God sits you down for nine months? He says, I know I've been doing some things, but I need you to be quiet because I have something special for you. The thing that God had for him, man, it didn't go the way that they envisioned. It didn't happen on the timing that they want but it definitely went farther than what they thought it could be.
And that's what John did. John ended up becoming the very person that Gabriel said he would, preparing the way for Jesus. That's Jesus' own family, man. Such a beautiful thing. You never know how God's purpose is going to work through your prayers. But he has something great for us. And this is what I want you to be challenged with this week. Is to be consistent in the ordinary. Be consistent in the ordinary. Because that's what we see with these two people, right? Even though God hadn't given them a child when they were young, when they were middle-aged. They, they were very old. They didn't regular old. They were very old. Shouldn't have had no children. God showed up. Because they were consistent in the ordinary. And through the ordinary, God did the extraordinary. That's right. So how do we do this? Well, it's simple and hard. We do what is taught through the word of God. We do what is pleasing to God. And we do these things day in, day out. And it goes back to us and that word obedience, right? We, that word gets a bad rap. Usually because our parents, right? You better do this. Well, why am I doing this? Because I said so. So we're like, well, this is dumb. This don't make no sense. I don't know why you got me. You done rain ranges three times. This don't... But the Lord isn't like that. He always has something in store for what he's asking of you or what he's trying to show you or how he's trying to guide you. Obedience is not a bad thing. It's not to make you and force you into something uh, just to do it. It goes further than that, right? goes deeper than that and when we can be consistent in the ordinary day in and day out we can experience the fullness of God and everything and that means you could come to the parade been rushed had all your kids all wrapped up said oh man I wish we would have got cocoa I guess not today and people give you free cocoa you never know how God is going to be working in ways that you don't understand but when you are consistent in the ordinary, he's going to always do the extraordinary. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are. That as much as we mess things up, sometimes you say, hey, I need you to have a seat. Sometimes you just shut us up. You say, mm-mm, don't even say it. So, Father, help us not get in the way of the miracles, of the deliverance of all the beautiful things that you have for us. Lord, help us experience the fullness of you in this life ah, so we can worship you so much more in the life to come. And help us do it now. Help us walk with you this holiday season, this Christmas break, in ways that are pleasing to you, in ways that symbolize just like their faith, their obedience of how even when life wasn't always difficult, even when they didn't ask for it to be this way, they still believe that you were better than good. Help us receive that, Lord, that you are that for us. So, Father, we just thank you for the answers to our prayers right now. We thank you for the purpose that goes beyond what we prayed. We thank you for how you're moving and working with such a wretch like us. Thank you, Lord, for using broken people to make others whole. Father, we love you. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.